0: Welcome to the Get Up and Hope podcast. My name is William Thomas. Thank you for joining your hosts, my dad, David Thomas, and his friend, Joe Carr.
1: Hello, this is David. As we record this episode, Christmas is fast approaching. We ask the question, do we value what is real, or are we spending our time chasing shadows that are always changing?
0: So good morning, David, and good morning, everyone else. Welcome to Get Up and Hope. Glad you are listening and joining us. This morning. How was your Thanksgiving, David?
1: Uh, it was good. Uh, my kids all came over and we ate food.
0: <laughs> That's Thanksgiving, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: did you do any Black
0: Friday shopping?
1: Uh, I did, actually. I got a guitar that I had been looking at for a while. They had a, a deal at the place I was looking at that I could not pass up. So, yeah, I have a new guitar coming in the mail very soon.
0: That's exciting.
1: I swear that they started Black Friday at least a week before actual Black Friday this year. (laughs) My son has been wanting a computer monitor that he can plug into his laptop that he has so that he can play video games on a bigger screen, right? Except I don't want to spend more money for him to play video games. So I I went into Best Buy and I saw that they had all of these monitors out, everything for, for Black Friday already. And, um, and they had TVs out in the aisles and all of that. And I thought, man, this is crazy. Maybe it was because everybody's worried about supply chain issues and, you know, we might not get our stuff. So Christmas might not come this year. You know, you've heard that phrase, (laughs) Christmas might not come this year and it's everybody's fault, no matter which side of the political spectrum you're on, it's the other guy's fault. And you just have to stop and think, is that really what Christmas is about? Is that really what makes our lives important? Or are they just shadows that we're chasing?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I actually spent most of my weekend not actually shopping, but just online comparing options. The worst thing I've found to do, unfortunately, is to go read reviews <laughs> because every bit of technology, while it seems like it advances in some way, there's still drawbacks, you know, or maybe. It's the best new thing and you're gonna pay for it because it's the best new thing, you know? And you're thinking, is this really worth it? Is OLED better than, you know, QLED or whatever the different things mean? (laughs) And so I was just doing all this research and I was just exhausted after a while and thinking, do we really even need this, you know? And I'm the kind of person that I want to be an informed shopper, but um, I guess when I get through all of the information, I'm kind of like, I don't really care anymore. Just get something already, you know. I wish someone would just come in and just buy it for me because I, it, it feels
1: exhausting. Do Do you experience that sometimes? Yeah, I compare products nonstop when I'm going to buy something. And my wife, Casey, is always just like, "Just get it. Just pick one." And she's like, "Just do it. If you don't like it, you can return it." And I'm like, "No, I need to find out which specific one I want because this is a commitment. Is what, is what it feels like." As we were talking about. This idea of once we compare all of these things and we want the best, but then we realize that once we get that, there's always something the next day that comes out that you're like, oh man, that one's really cool too. Mm -hmm. We set up our Christmas decorations early this year. And as I was walking past the tree and we had a few of the presents under it already, I saw this stack of printer paper and I thought, what is that? And I looked a little bit closer. And it was it was all these papers with drawings, and it was stapled at one end, kind of like a book. And I thought, oh man, I can't look at that because that's from uh, my son Will, who introduces the show that we hear on every episode. But he's eight years old, and he likes to make these books about the things that he loves the most in his life. Oh, that's and nice. he'll make us all sit down in the living room and listen to him, read them, and he'll, you know, come over and show us the pictures. And so he made one for us for Christmas. And I thought, that is probably the most meaningful gift that is under that tree. But we spend so much time, you know, stressing out and comparing like what we were talking about over the other things that are just going to fade away.
0: Right. Yes. I think we forget so quickly about how the things that are of value, they don't have a price tag on them, you know? Right. And this thing is just a thing, you know, if it were a fire tomorrow, it would be gone. We'd get a new one and we'd move on with our lives. But you know, that's why, you know, like those things you can't put a price tag on, so much more valuable. And yet it seems like we're so consumed with things and Mm. getting things and wanting things. And this is that season where it just seems like it's coming from every direction. There's all these advertisements. You get in the mail catalogs for toys. They do this on purpose, so they put it in kids' hands. Or there might be a catalog for L.L. Bean or something like that. And then we just start flipping through. Oh, I didn't even know I wanted this. But now I do because I've now seen it. (laughs) We're bombarded with all of these things all the time, especially at this time of year. And we lose uh, our perspective on what's actually important and what's real.
1: Right. We're told what's important because somebody is going to benefit by telling us what is important. Mm -hmm. But then once we have that, there's something else that's more important that we need. And it really reminds me of uh, Plato's Republic. He has this popular analogy that a lot of people refer to, and it's called the cave analogy. And the setup for it is there are people in this cave who are chained up and they have to stare at a wall in the cave and they can't turn their head. They can't look anywhere else. And they're looking at these images on a cave wall that are really just shadows and behind them, there are people that uh, Plato calls the puppet masters and they have a fire and they're using like marionette puppets and, you know, different objects and they're casting shadows on the wall. And so through their entire life, these people who are chained up in this cave are just seeing these images and they think that that's reality. And he says they may even like try to figure out the pattern of the images or how the images interact with each other. And, you know, one person may have a better handle on it than the other, but even then, you know, no matter what, it's really just a shadow that they're trying to grasp the mentality of. And if they could just turn their head, they would see these are really just a fraud that's being presented to them and really has no value other than entertainment that's on a wall.
0: I love that image of kind of only seeing the shadows, you know, like you're even pursuing and chasing the shadows. So if you think about all the things we've just listed out as objects of desire, things we want, things we spend time thinking about, you know, and there's nothing wrong with new televisions or new guitars, yet we spend so much time focusing on the shadow and not even on what's necessarily real and not even realizing that someone else is behind us controlling all of those things.
1: Right. I think when it becomes a problem is like you said, when we're pursuing these things with more effort than we are, say our family around us. And we start to put these objects that are just something that will fade away or be replaced by, you know, something newer and better, and act as if they have more value than the people that we see around us every day.
0: Mm -hmm. And I
1: think that's kind of what hit me when I saw Will's present under the tree. I thought, man, there's some really nice gifts under the tree for them. But to me, that is probably the most valuable thing under there.
0: Right. You know, what we're talking about here is basically consumerism. This idea of desiring something, thinking, oh, that's going to fulfill me. That's going to help me. thinking that they're going to fill some sort of void. Once I have that, then I won't need anything else ever again. And that is how we chase shadows inside of ourselves, because there's a natural emptiness that things can't fill you remember 15 or more years ago that we had two movies come out almost back to back about two of my favorite musicians, Johnny Cash and Ray Charles. And both of these stories were very, very similar. It's amazing to think that two different musicians from two different genres even around the same time, but both of them had these very, very similar background stories. Their music, their talent was there, but their desire to like pursue something and even their unfortunate fall, like say, into drugs or alcohol was really about childhood trauma where they both lost their brothers at a young age. And it was really, really interesting to think about how that's all of our stories where we're chasing after something, desiring this, this thing or whatever these conglomerate of things are in our life. And of course, the moment in these stories when they turn and overcome whatever the obstacle is, is the moment when they turn around and face what was real, when they actually deal with the fact that they lost a a younger sibling and the trauma related to it and no longer think that a career or fame or drugs or alcohol or things even are going to fill that in their life. So really, the opportunity for us, if we're talking about pursuing hope, is to turn around and face those things that
1: are real. Right. And I think we see this played out over and over again. You can see it in real time, watching people become famous, and then they just seemingly explode. And everybody thinks, man, they had everything they could ever want. What happened? And I think it's because when you get everything that you want you realize that that's not truly what's important. You realize there there must be something greater. And you see people either recover because they focus on something greater or you see people just continue to struggle and fizzle out and disappear.
0: Have you ever heard the adage, he who dies with the most toys wins? Or the opposite bumper sticker was like, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And it does feel like using Ecclesiastes on people, but you know it's a chasing after the wind for the most part. And so- I, Again, I don't think there's anything wrong with owning a toy, like a speedboat or something like that, you know, <laughs> but it does feel like you have to weigh pursuing that thing versus how you're taking care of your family and what's most important what's real.
1: Right, right. If I'm buying the speedboat with the money that I should be using to feed my children. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then <laughs> then, you know, I mean, that's an obvious example, but we do that in little things, you know, and I don't want to get hypercritical, but to think to an example, like, is there a way that I could be helping somebody with this that will outweigh the benefit of me, you know, having this drive to, to obtain it.
0: True. It's really hard to judge other people, how they spend their money. I think what we need to be doing for ourselves is making sure that before we pursue something, realize, are we pursuing a shadow? Are we pursuing something that's been sold to us or propped up to make us think that this is going to fulfill us in some way? Or is there some value to it on the side of what's real?
1: Right. I think that it's not only from that perspective, though, where we are the ones pursuing something. I think that we do that to other people, too. Like we put a value on what a person can produce or what a person can offer that is sometimes Mm -hmm. higher than the person themselves. Like one of our first questions we ask people is, what do you do? We're not doing it consciously, but it somehow assigns a value to the person. Mm -hmm. Because you think differently about maybe somebody who works third shift cleaning the floors at a supermarket like I used to do versus somebody who says, oh, I run the largest online company in the world, you know, immediately you place a different, a different importance on that person in your mind. And I think that when we get ourselves wrapped up in that value, or when we wrap somebody else up in just what they produce, then that's just another example of chasing those things that don't really matter. Like we're, we're pursuing what, uh, brings us some kind of like affirmation or accomplishment rather than the person themselves.
0: Right. I think you've heard me say this before, it requires this kind of discipline of the mind to stay in the moment, stay focused on the other person, as opposed to jumping quickly ahead to comparing yourself or putting yourself in the situation, inserting your own needs into the situation, as opposed to just sitting with people, looking them in the eye and having a conversation with them, you know, and not needing anything else. And I think when we have those moments feels so real. And yet it seems like there's so many obstacles to get to that moment when we really can connect with another
1: person. Right. But bringing it back around to our experience in churches, you and I talk a lot um, on the phone and it's not recorded just so that everybody (laughs) who's listening knows that. We don't always record our conversations for this podcast. But one of the conversations that we had was how that can even happen in churches and in the way that we're taught to view people and it might have this great motivation as of we want to be reaching out to people we want to be like helping them see what is important or restoring lives or you know working towards some kind of social justice in our community or whatever it is but a lot of times the the training that we get, almost treats the person as a product. So That's right. so you're making a connection with the intent of them coming to your church or you're making a connection with a person with the intent of you know, working toward that goal when I think really what we should be doing is just connecting with people because they have value.
0: Wow, you are treading into some thin ice, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> In a wonderful way. And I think that then what we're calling out is that people become objects and we don't really think about the ramifications of thinking of people in those sorts of terms but that's right. absolutely what is happening behind the scenes at you know at churches many times and it's really difficult to have that kind of frame of mind and still be a church planter <laughs> still be doing what I'm doing where we are saying we want to have something of value to the community we want to have a place for people to be connecting to be growing in their spiritual life. what We called ourselves at one point the home for spiritually homeless people. Just that mentality of we want to be a safe space for people and yet we don't want to treat them like objects where if they show a little bit of interest, oh, we need to make sure and say, well, here's when we meet and here's why you should come. Just start bombarding with information in hopes that they're going to be one of us. And then also being upset whenever they say, I've connected in another place and we should be celebrating. Oh, I'm so glad that you found the right place for you. But no, we're sad because, but wait, now that means you're not one of us and I can't count you anymore.
1: <laughs> right, right. We talk about the church world a lot and I don't want to be constantly criticizing Christianity and people of faith in general in the church. Both of us believe in the church. We believe that faith changes lives, but this brings us back around to our discussion about Christmas. These companies have these marketing plans where in 30 seconds, they assign value to their product by making you feel like you need it. They walk you through a why, a how, and a what, and they've realized that that really gets to the core of who a person is. And a lot of times, if you listen to it, the why has something to do with um, family, or it has something to do with changing the world or making life better for somebody else. And then they walk you through the how, and they, you know, talk about how you can do that. You can use their product to accomplish that. And then by that time they come to the what and the what is their product and they've got you sold. Right. And I think that the the truth is they're addressing that void that's in us that causes us to chase these shadows, but they're giving us something that's not lasting as a result.
0: Yeah. They're not just selling a product. They're selling the feeling you would have around this product or the way that this would affect or change your life. And you're right. That's a shadow. If I have that, then I will be happy, you know, and I think that's just natural where we think, oh, once I kind of get all of these things, okay, then I can have the hobby or whatever it is that I enjoy. Say you're a photographer, you know, and you've got all the different kinds of lenses and you got the right kinds of cameras and all the different settings and everything like that. And you think, okay, once I build up my equipment, then I'm going to be good. And then I can be happy, you know? Right. And it just seems like it's never ending. First of all, the list never stops and something on that list will need to be addressed again.
1: Right. I think that part of the way that we counteract this mindset that is so easy to fall into of placing value on a product over a person or on what the person produces is the same practice we've talked about in the past. And that is recognizing in ourselves, what causes us to do that. So why do I feel like I need the next big thing? And I think it's because we get this image in our mind, like what you were talking about of what will make us happy. And so it's through self-reflection and through prayer and through deepening our faith in something that is greater than us that realigns our perspective. And we begin to see the things that are more important rather than just what is right in front of us in the moment.
0: If we realize that pursuing shadows leads to hopelessness, and we're saying we want to find hope, then we're going to have to pursue what's real. So how do we decipher between what's real and the shadow?
1: I think that actually our faith gives a good gauge for that. Because the two um, most valuable commands, according to Jesus and Christianity, are to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That what has real value might be the person next to you and not the object in front of you. You know, those people couldn't turn their heads in the cave analogy that if we turn our head and see the person next to us, there's something with way more value than the shadow that we're seeing on the wall.
0: Yeah. And I think that's what we want to be able to do inside of us, but also help other people, bring bring them to that moment when their eyes are open and they see what's actually happening, what's actually real. We all need to sit down and watch Charlie Brown's Christmas and realize what's most important. One of my favorite moments when Linus steps into the spotlight, by the way, for those who've never noticed this before, but Linus has his security blanket with him all the time. And when he starts quoting Luke chapter 2, He puts his security blanket down. Whenever we're chasing after these shadows, chasing after things that don't really matter, be it a porcelain tree, I guess, from the story of of Charlie (laughs) Brown, and we hold on to these objects. It's like, okay, this is how we have security and how we feel good. And there is an invitation. There's an opportunity to lay those things down and take hold of what's real. And I think that's how we move into the next
1: phase for ourselves it's one of my wife's favorite shows i think she's watched it three times this year already and i never noticed that part before when i was watching it when i was younger but it really is a good example of what we do when we find the thing that is real and that thing that we thought brought us comfort doesn't bring us the kind of comfort that we thought it did
0: we're going to continue this conversation another day because there's so much more to talk about so Join us again next time. We'll continue this conversation. Have a great day, everyone.
1: Thank you for joining us in this episode of Get Up and Hope. If you've enjoyed this discussion, please take a moment to help us out by leaving us a review. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast in order to receive future episodes. Thanks again.